Hi, I'm Sean. I'm Renee. This is Hope in Crisis, a podcast series about rights and democracy and how technology enables or disables it. First of all, we have to explain to people, or do you want to ask me that question? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Why are we doing this in English? It's really important that we do this in English. Um, we think making this podcast, Hoping Crisis, in English because we want to tell the global audience how awesome Taiwan is and how Taiwan can lead the world in post-COVID times. So um, that's why we are also having this panel discussion in English. Your turn. Yeah, why, I just say a little more. Why we're doing this in English? Yeah. Okay. So I want to just thank you because I know it's really hard. Like when I first came to Taiwan, I had to listen to Chinese every day, and it was so exhausting for me. Like I was, I would fall asleep, just absolutely exhausted. So I know it's hard work to listen to something that's not your native language. So I want to thank you for allowing us to share this in English. And the personal reason why I want to share it in English is I've been in Taiwan for a while now. And I think that there's some really special things happening here, and the Western world just doesn't have any ability to understand it. It's really impossible for uh, an American or a European to understand any sort of culture that relates to the Chinese language. It's incredibly difficult, and most of what we hear about uh, Asia and is China, and. China right now is not a very positive topic in the West, unfortunately. Right? I think that America could learn a lot from China too, but there's something very special about Taiwan being a democracy and being this like lone democracy. I mean, there's a couple other we talked about this before, but it's one of the few. And there's an amazing energy coming out of Taiwan right now, and so. Part of the purpose of this podcast is to share this with the world, and now it's in English. Who knows? Maybe thirty, forty years from now, it'll flip, and we're going to have to speak in Chinese, and that's going to be, you know, the common language of the world. But for right now, it's still English, and we really want to get this out. We really want to have an international voice, and so that's 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 why. And so I so I thank you all for for putting up with a more difficult podcast to understand. And if we can explain things more simply, if we should speak slower or anything, please give us feedback. We really want to to improve how we deliver this information. Right, and you can help us um, promoting Taiwan and helping more people understand um, what Taiwan has done really, really great by sharing this podcast with your friends, with anyone you know who lives in other countries, or anyone who can understand English. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to talk about the movie. <laughs> Are you ready to talk about the movie? Okay. Um, do you remember at the opening, all of um, the interviewees were really, really nervous、uh, going under the spotlight in front of the camera, and I think that's how we feel right now. <laughs> so I, I can appreciate that they're confessing about what they're doing in the tech industry and how their collective efforts have. Undermined democracy. So,、um, in this movie, they talked about how modern technology, especially social media, has worsened、um, humanity in three ways: mental health, democracy, and one more. What? 
or discrimination. Thank you very much. Yeah, so what do you think about that? So uh, to begin with, um, for those three crises or for those three challenges, from my perspective, I'll put democracy for the last, for the least thing I would be concerned. The reason is both sides or many parties are playing this game, right? It's difficult to tell whether Biden should win or Trump should win that actually means or represent the real democracy wins, right? So to a certain degree, I don't worry about democracy just yet. I worry much more about the mental health issue and uh, racial discrimination or probably gender discrimination as well. The point is that first and foremost, we see real damages there. We see real people getting harmed there in a way that nobody really wanted to. So that's the first thing and we see kind of so one thing I learned from my, so me myself is a legal scholar, so I don't really know much about social scientists or know much about behavioral science, such of things. But one thing I know is that causality is really difficult to establish. So we don't know for sure whether there's a causal relationship uh, between social media and those mental health issues that's difficult or that's difficult to establish, we know for sure, right? We don't know it for sure yet, but we saw some correlations between those two phenomena. But that's a warning sign. That's scary enough already. So that's, that's the place I start to worry. And I also hear about uh, stories, individuals' experience with, about their kids, about even sometimes with their parents, right? Some, some of our parents spend lots of time online, on Facebook, on all kinds of social media. They use probably much more than we do because they probably, after their retirement, they probably have more time than we, we have. But also they could be affected. So that's, that will be the place I start my worrisome or to start my concern. Like how many of you feel that you use social media too much? I'm gonna put my hand up. So this, this causality thing that he just mentioned, I think this is difficult because it is really hard to prove something like that. It's very hard to say, oh yeah, Facebook's the problem or Twitter's the problem. But I also feel like, I mean, you can't prove love exists either, right? So somebody that comes from a science and engineering background, like I have to reconcile what is love and what is consciousness and what are these things that come from humans that we can't prove, we can't really show this sort of number chart going up or whatever it is. And so I just want to encourage everyone to trust themselves. So when you start watching this film, which I think at least for me, it was very disturbing. I've seen it twice now. I think that they were able to humanize AI. And I think that was something that was not really done well before. It's machine learning, you have these algorithms, they're running in the cloud, what is it, what's going on, how does it work? And I think they did a really good job at that. That's one of the things that I felt when I first saw this, I was like, wow, somebody managed to at least articulate what is this AI, what is machine learning, what's going on, why we should be concerned. Yeah, that, that, that was something that I really liked. <laughs> Easier than the book. Much better right. in the book. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think social media is 
not only much more interesting than books, they are also very like entertaining and addictive. And um, you talked about mental health, and I think that's really important here as the film um, was so committed to the issue of addiction. I like that there's a shift in this film when um, the expert said that no individual has the willpower or ability to fight against these tech giants because they are big companies and they have the capitals to hire smart people to outsmart all of us. So I think that the um, more optimistic thing here that we can think about or we can brainstorm is how we can figure out a way to escape from social media. I'm not talking about detox because I don't think digital detox can win. Because like the film just said, that there's no way we can outsmart these people by using our willpower or by organizing our life. I, basically, social media has already programmed our social life and computed our friendship. I seriously think that my friendship is computed by social media. Because I'm only showing some information that um, they decide that it's more meaningful to me and to them. So, um, you know what, there, there's one thing that really, really interested me in the film. I think one of them has this title. He is right now, he was one of the programmers at one of the companies, but he's right now the CEO of Automating Humanity. So I was making a mental note that I have to check what automating humanity is because I think that these people have awakened and then they are now figuring out what we can do to use technology to checkmate technology because they have already checkmated on all of us. Uh -huh. We want to begin with the tech man here. <laughs> so we have a legal man here. Right. And and there's this line in the movie that I really disagreed with, and I wanted to ask you to take this for a bit, right? So I forgot his name, but he was one of the early investors in Facebook. And he has this line, he says that, that law is running way behind, right? And I could not disagree more with this. I think it's complete nonsense. Can you take us back and can you explain like from your perspective, from a legal perspective, What's your take on this stuff? Like, what's going on here? Wait a minute. So do sure. you think that the law is keeping up with technology or the laws are ahead of technology? When you said that you disagree okay. Okay. that let, the laws let, are let falling me, behind. Me, yeah. yeah, so let me kind of unwind this a little bit. We have these basic rights. Um, in the US, we have a Bill of Rights. There's international human rights, which my new friend here will talk uh, for days about. So I want you to go there, please. Okay. But these rights to me are quite clear. And the way that Facebook and social media is using our information without our permission, without our consent, to me, these clearly violate very basic rights that I have as an American. And I'd like to learn more about how Taiwan looks at these sort of rights, and then if you know anything internationally about this, but I just completely disagree with the statement that law is behind. I think that this tech was built by 20 and 30 year old men who just doesn't give a shit about law. Like they don't care about law. 
They, they, they pretend law doesn't exist, but there's very clear protections, at least from my perspective, on you know, First Amendment, Fourth Amendment. There's all of these things that, that Facebook is repeatedly, and not just Facebook, Facebook's the worst, but a lot of these tech companies, this sharing of information between third parties, the capturing of all of this information without our consent, without our knowledge, can't do this. So, like, like can, can you talk a bit about like the human rights case for, like, I mean, first I wanna ask you, like, do you think law is behind tech right now? Right, so I'm afraid I must agree with that law is kind of behind, but I'll explain a little bit from my perspective for from my understanding. So first of all, like Facebook, they have a user agreement, right? So when you are sharing, when they are sharing their data or Actually, they are not sharing their data, right? They are uh, sharing their research uh, products, their conclusions or their insights about how human or how each, how each individual behaves, right? So they're actually selling those things, those uh, research products, let me put it this way. So will that be covered or will that be understood as a kind of privacy infringement? It's kind of a long way to go, right? You have to establish and reasoning your way through that. So there will be contingency when you're doing that. Judges may not, be agree, uh, judges may not agree with you. Uh, their high court judges may not agree with the lower court judges. So there will be contingency and there will be disputes or it will be controversial issues to, um, to deal with. So that's probably one of the reasons that they think the law is behind or the Facebook doesn't really care about if it's breaking the law because the law itself is probably not as clear as we want it to be. And that also brings to my second reflection on this because there's one repeating word we hear from this film is manipulation. Law is not good at dealing with manipulation. The traditional or the orthodox uh, notion of law is to restraining violence or is to restraining physical forces. So we want to keep violence from the government. We want to keep violence from other people. That's what law is good at, or that's the presumption or the classical thinking of law. But we're not good at manipulation because manipulation actually looks like you are willing to do something, right? It's from you. It looks like it's from you. Although you are kind of being manipulated or kind of being directed to certain direction, still you get to say no. Still, you get to, to be like those people in the film that testify for the inside stories. So that is one thing that um, law is probably why law is considered way back from the reality. That's one thing. Another thing is their analogy of this kind of data or this privacy infringement and the environmental crisis or the uh, climate change thing, right? Because law is also not good at holding people accountable for indirect or incremental violations. It's like environmental protection or pollutions. Nobody can say which manufacturer or which factory actually pollutes the river. It's a collective action and it's, a collect it's accumulated consequences shared by everyone. So who should stop first? When one stops first, others profit from his stopping doing that. Right, so that's two things, or this, that's the, actually the two crises I see 
in the, from our legal institution that is not that good at dealing with the current challenge. There's one thing that might be helpful from my imagination is like, so now FCC or the FTC is actually targeting Facebook or Twitter. They accuse them for monopoly or for antitrust suit. That's one indirect way to, to still hold them accountable in, for different causes, from different legal causes to make them restrain themselves or to make them less powerful than they wanted to be. That's probably an indirect way dealing with this, their, this monsters, if you like. That will be my take. Um, and also, I would like to echo with uh, Rene here, is that um, we probably couldn't outsmart AI. So I did have a crazy thought about, can we, kind of, can we create an app to mislead Facebook, right? To tell them, well, actually, when you is watching this video, but you also tell, this app also tells Facebook that he's clicking other likes for other pictures. Can we kind of do that? That's my crazy thought. I would leave it to you. Want to no, go ahead, go ahead. So there's these really interesting things um, known as adversarial networks called, called GANs, where you essentially have one AI that tries to manipulate another AI, and then that AI tries to learn from it. So I have some friends that were working on GANs to try to fool Facebook by giving it a bunch of just nonsense data. It's happening, but um, the problem is that their engineers are better than than the people that are working on these GANs. So as fast as we can try to attack Facebook, they can, they can learn from what's being attacked faster. Um, I'd like to uh, come back to the legal thing for a second. So we're talking English, we're talking law. <laughs> Hope you're not like, oh, this is the most boring thing on earth. You didn't expect it. <laughs> it's, if, if there's one thing I wish that people would know is that code and law have to come together. Like we have to understand this. It's like when you, when I went to school, they forced me to take an English class. Like I tried to only take math and science all through school, but they forced me to take an English class. They say you have to, it's like basic, like, like, you can't graduate university at the school I went to without an English class. Right? My mom, she's an English literature major. So she was so upset because I would only take math and science. That's the only thing I wanted to study. And I felt that in the 21st century, that math and science, and especially computer science, like this is the language, this is the liberal arts, this is what you have to learn to be a good citizen. To, to contribute to the world, to advance humanity. And I think I was really wrong. Like, I think I had to connect the law and the code together that if you don't understand software, all of this stuff is like magic. And if you don't understand law, then the way people organize, the way governments work is magic. And the problem right now is that the engineers and the lawyers are not actually communicating correctly with one another. Like, we're not sitting down and working together on these products. We're building these things. We're, 
you know, move fast and break things and ship them and then all the lawyers will fix it. And so the lawyers write these like 80 page contracts, these things they call EULAs, the end user license agreements. You can't read these things. Like if we gave Facebook's EULA to him, he couldn't read it, I guarantee you. And there's no way that you, yeah, there's no way that you can disagree. If you want to keep using the app, you have to agree. Yeah, so, so I think I can talk for hours about what regular people, what everyday people should know about software. But today, can you tell us like what everyday people should know about law? Hmm. Like software is eating the world. Like you've heard all of these, you know, cliches coming out of Silicon Valley, software is taking over the world, software is eating the world. That is true, right? That's why you have to understand what software is. But law is actually the way society works and the way government works. The only force more powerful than Facebook and Google right now is, is the US government. Now, does the US government actually want to take them on? I don't know, we'll see, but they could. Right? So can, 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 you, can you explain that for a bit? Or, or do you want to right. jump in? I'm not sure if I agree with you that the only thing that's stronger than Facebook is the U.S. government. Because okay, obviously, Russian people manipulated Facebook to like, conspire and encourage people okay, let me push back to on mess up with U.S. presidential election, right? Facebook wanted this, right? Facebook knew they were being pushed by the Russians, right? It's very profitable for Facebook to be pushed by these foreign governments, very profitable. So I think Facebook is totally fine with this. Right. <laughs> I, I get that, I get that Facebook is fine with their business model. I, I, what I'm having problem with is that the United States, the US government is not stronger than Facebook. Okay, <laughs> that's I mean, debatable. I mean, yeah, that's great about our show. Well, it's debatable. <laughs> but, but, but what I hope you can talk about is, is what should everyday people know about law? And, and I'm, I'm happy to speak more about what everyday people should know about software, right? Because that, that's my thing, is that I think everyone should take a software programming course. Like it's as important as taking an English course. It's as important. Or, or Chinese language course, like Chinese literature course. You have to take this, right? Programming software. Right. <laughs> okay. Wish you have three. Please, please. Yeah. yeah. So I would like to start from one phenomenon that's happening to Taiwan that there are actually college professors teaching kids in this in people who live in the rural area or in different islands how to do algorithm, how to do programming. There is definitely no legal professor doing the thing you want, law, teaching right? kids the law, no. Although it's, so there are, so for legal education, I, I don't think that will be uh, immediately practical for people, but I, one thing I would like to add it on is for, at least for training people to have a critical thinking, to know what to check, to, to, to be accustomed to fact checking instead of immediately and intuitively accepting whatever you are fed with. So this kind of capability is, kind of, is the next thing we should do, or it's probably the immediate thing we should do even before law, because law is 
So the current theory, or the, uh, again, the classical theory of law is like, it's more passive, and it's supposed, kind of supposed to be more um, last resort. So law should leave free market alone in principle. Law should leave um, free speech alone in principle. So before we jumping into legal discussion, I think there are much more, much more can be done by inputting ethical thinking for media usage. That's one perspective. Another thing is like increasing or to enhance our critical thinking when we are dealing with unfamiliar information, when we are dealing with sources that's probably in question. We should try to make people have an open mind. Law cannot mandate that, but education could. And also, uh, another thing is like, one thing that's actually pushing, pushing Russia government from all these things or pushing Google from those things is capitalism, right? People want to make money. And why, why do those huge companies want to invest in Google or to want to put advertisement from in Google or Facebook? It's because consumerism. People take pleasure by buying things. People take pleasure, uh, put high importance to how much things we own or how much things we possess. And once, once the package delivered to you, the whole pleasure gone. Right, we, look, we start looking for the next thing. So I think an, another thing is to have a deeper philo philosophical reflection from our use, for our use. We no longer teach morality. It seems relevant, irrelevant to modern world. It seems irrelevant to making huge money, to make a fortune for, for the future generation. It seems not competitive for your own career. But that's, philosophy is actually asking what human is or what a person means, right? So although there is no correct answer or there is no absolutely, absolute truth in those subjects, we should at least start training our people or training our next generation or even ourselves by start thinking that question. I think there's, that's a way to kind of enhance our mental strength to keep away from seeking recognition from others. That's probably be able to be done right before law intervenes. That's my take on this. You have a rebuttal. Oh, no, 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 I don't, I don't. I'm usually very okay with uh, different opinions. <laughs> but I'm just saying that you gave us a great idea. So Girls in Tech Taiwan organizes different kinds of workshops and activities, and um, including Hour of Code. So we teach kids and young girls how to code in one hour. So we're not teaching them how to program in one hour, but we give them basic ideas. So I'm thinking that in addition to Hour of code, we can have hour of law, <laughs> if that's ever interesting to, to young girls and their parents. And they're young. But I'm going to do it anyway. I'm, no, 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 we're not going to market research here. I'm going to do it anyway, and then we're going okay, to good. package it in a very interesting, yeah. yeah, very inspiring way. And then hour of ethics, I'm, that, that's more boring, but I just completed the translation of Max Batterman's book, 
It's called Blindsight. Max Bashman is a Harvard professor teaching negotiation, and then he wrote a book about behavioral ethics. He talked about why ethical people make unethical um, decisions from time to time. So yeah, happy to have more discussion on that. Yeah, I just have one last kind of funny comment about law and code, and, and then I'll move on, right? Um, <laughs> there's only two people in the world that I know of that think and speak in terms of like if-then statements. Like if this happens, then that happens. It's lawyers and coders. That's it. Like we're, we are really, really deeply, deeply connected. And I think the more we understand this, like, like law is a poison pill against centralization. Like if we go back to the Magna Carta, which you can probably talk to, right? The Magna Carta was the first time that, that, that humans actually started to talk about rights, right? Like the Magna Carta was a poison pill. Like give to the king, right? And of course where I'm from, the US Constitution, again, a poison pill. It was power to the people to keep it decentralized. Right? And we have these big tech companies, and this is why I think law is so important, is that we need this poison pill. It's the only way we can destroy Facebook. It's the only way we can destroy these companies that are destroying society. So it's official now. We want to destroy Facebook. Because we're just right now live streaming on Facebook. <laughs> now I understand why you talked about causal relationship at the very beginning of the conversation. I was thinking like, huh, I don't really care why or how to build or establish this causal relationship. As long as it's bad, I want to figure out some new ways to stop it. Now I get it, because without causal relationship, there's actually no uh, legal actions that can be taken to stop it because there's no direct consequences. So, yeah. Everything is indirect, right? Right, right. In this, in this case, or like environmental... Can you explain why that matters, though? In one minute. Yeah, like I'm right. Just, yeah, because we're sure. wrapping up. <laughs> because we make, we have to make sure if certain people is really liable, right? So if we just do it randomly, you, it's very easy to challenge why do this to me but not others. There is a there is an equality problem there. There's a fairness problem there, and that will be fundamentally shaking every sanctions we impose to random individuals or random companies. So that's my one minute take. That's really cool. Yeah, so our time is up. Okay. And um, do we have time to take questions? Yay, we can take questions now. Any questions? You can ask questions about the video too. And you can ask in Chinese if you find it. No problem. She's like, well, she's a simultaneous interpreter. <laughs> like, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so thank you. Uh, I think my question is that from the video, we could know the problem from the like social media that cause some teenagers to suicide themselves or some addiction about the social media. So I think the problem is that uh, everybody is talking about this affect our modern, modern society, but we haven't find a solution to solve this problem or some solution to uh, narrow down this question or problem. So my question is that is there anything, anyone to have some uh, figure out some solution to many, uh, like to solve this problem. Yeah, thank you. I've thought about this problem deeply for a long time. And actually the most frustrating thing to me about this video is that it feels hopeless. 
at the end when they ask, you know, Tristan Harris, like, what are we going to do about this? And he's just like, well, we have to fix it. Yeah. They tell us how to narrow down the question, or even maybe we could not solve it because it's a very, very big, like, like you say, the Facebook maybe is more powerful than the US government. Yeah. So maybe we could not uh, solve this problem, but however, we, we should find some uh, solution to maybe narrow down the, the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll try to give a one minute answer. I think that crypto and blockchain is directionally right. And the reason is that it allows for rules without rulers. So you don't need the central company to hold all the data so you can communicate with your friends. Now, we're a long way from getting there. Most of what you see in crypto is just like shit coins and garbage, right? But it's a new technology. But the, the potential of this new technology is to allow humans to organize around a set of rules for a community. And I think that's incredibly powerful. That to me is sort of the future of democracy. It's the future of allowing people to organize in communities again and not have these um, third party exploitation, which is what's happening. Beyond the Facebook or beyond any social media, and we still could communicate with everybody, like our family, our friends. Yeah. That yeah, that okay. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, because what's corrupt about what they're doing? It's the business model, right? It's the economic incentives. They say this again and again. And so, what is Bitcoin and what is technology like that? Well, this is an economic system. Make make no mistake. Right? You've taken money away from government and you've created a system that can enforce a set of rules. So the moment you have an economic incentive that is out of control of any one corporation, you now have the ability to create new networks. Again, it will take a while. I thought we'd be here by now. <laughs> I think it's another 10 years, five, five to 10 years. Within five to 10 years, you will see another network, a new network, that allows people to communicate without these people sucking all of our information from the middle and selling it to the highest bidder. Uh, it's coming. I, I like that question. Thank you very much for um, bringing that out. And I have to say, it was very, very disappointing when I was inviting my friend to this event. A lot of my friends have already watched this. And then I asked them what they think about the film. They said, oh, it's really great. And I was like, okay, come here. We want to hear what you think about it. And then they said that oh, I was very inspiring for like one day. I quit fe Facebook for two days and then I came back. And it was like what Tristan said, he made a keynote and then it got widespread across Google. And even Larry Page was informed of this presentation and then there was a buzz. And then after all, it was just a buzz. It didn't last. So what, what I wanna, um, what I want to communicate with you is that we cannot rely on individual willpower to solve this problem. It's not like, oh, you're so addicted, you should quit it. it I, I've never smoked, but I guess if you tell a smoker that you should quit smoking, that's very frustrating. And it's like asking me to quit um, my phone or my laptop, uh, to quit um, digital devices. It's 
useless. But、um, what we can do is to find a systematic approach to solve this problem. For example, taxing. I think taxing is a good idea, although it's not very effective. Because I work with a lot of、um, business clients, for example,、um, skincare products or cosmetic products. Um, it's illegal to advertise that they can rejuvenate your skin, but they always save a huge amount of money to pay for that penalty. So I'm not saying that all tax is the one-stop solution here, but you have to use capitalist approaches. You have to use capitalist solutions to solve this capitalist problem. So、uh, what we.、Um, What we're doing here is that we are not the right people to answer that question. Actually, well, at least I am not the right person to answer your question. I don't have an answer to that question, but I think that's a great question. And what I can do here is to help spread the message so that we can inspire more programmers or even potential programmers to think about this problem, and then they can use whatever that is available. For example, blockchain. To think about new solutions,、um, there is a reason why blockchain may be the possible solution. We are submitting all of our posts and contents to Facebook or YouTube. We're we're uploading our personal videos to YouTube, and then YouTube decides who can watch the the videos. YouTube decides whether they should label you or they should、um, broadcast your video to a hundred people or a thousand people. So basically, it's a very centralized mechanism. But if Today, no one is deciding what I can watch. Maybe my friendships are not computed. I mean, I can really be updated by what my friends are doing today or this week. It's not determined by algorithm. So、um, I think the hope here is that we want to encourage more people to come up with a systematic approach. And to come up with a Facebook alternative, and、uh, and also I, I'm not too comfortable villainizing Facebook. I'm not saying that oh Facebook is super evil. Again, I think Facebook's business model is super evil. So, and this is just my personal opinion. I think there's something wrong with capitalism. There's something that's really really wrong, dangerously wrong with consumerism, and we can fix it.、Hmm. Maybe. If I can add something pretty quick, so there's a hope there since Facebook actually released a statement talking about this video, how it gets wrong. You guys ever read of that? You can see their rebuttals. It's pretty good. They say they are including mental health experts in their programming. That's probably one way to do that. I'm although I don't know to what extent it's effective or to what extent they are actually doing this, but that's one way doing that. Another thing is that. At the beginning of the film, I'm I'm not sure whether you noticed that. There's one guy before doing the interview. He said, "I was so nervous. I talked about I talked about it with my lawyers, right? They might be legally liable for revealing those informations for them because they used to be workers there. There are trade secrets in there. That's one thing, and that's something we we call whistleblowers, right? There's so." 
before we get really getting up some kind of technology, techno, uh, technical solutions, we should kind of also can re improve our whistleblower protection from legal perspective. Absolutely. There are certain things and certain under certain conditions, people for good reasons could reveal those trade secrets for better goods. That of course they need strict conditions and, and also all kinds of incentives to help them doing that, but I think that's one way to keep the keep, to keep those companies a little bit more transparent than they used to be, right? So that's my quick take. Um, my question is mainly for uh, Sean, and I think that you mentioned. Uh, uh, I think that you, I know that you really don't like Facebook. I totally agree with that. And you just mentioned that maybe someday the uh, U.S. government might uh, tear down Facebook. Yeah. And from my understanding, like I think, I think we can all agree that uh, there's a lot of a uh, similarity between the uh, super giant uh, firm and the government, because uh, before the this kind of uh, social media uh, big company come up, the our giant in this, this human society is definitely um, government. So actually, that's uh, an all system that um, manipulate by the anyone who has the power. So always like have this issue that somebody ma manipulate somebody the one with more information manipulate the, the one without the uh, power or uh, information. So I think we can always put a gun or put a trigger to anyone that have this power, but at the end we, have, we all have to face up the essential problem. I think that uh, the professor mentioned that it's education, or I think that in the uh, video they also mentioned that actually people, most of the people do not have their own thought. So like that allowed uh, 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 social media to manipulate their the brand. So actually, I'm trying to ask is that uh, what do you think? Uh, uh, because I, I'm pretty sure that even if we tear down all this kind of a big firm, the tool, I mean, the social media or any kind of the tool will always exist. It already exists in this society. But uh, how can we use this or uh, any kind of upcoming technology to improve our education system or like awake or make people like think a lot because like and we, we all know that that always like the people around like 20 to 40 yeah. years age that they are the people that always have most people have their own thought but when you get older when older like people start stop thinking and people kind of stick to the their own or easily manipulate manipulate by uh, the social media so that's my question thanks yeah so i want to kind of restate your question really short and see if it's okay if I answer it this way, right? So you're basically asking, okay, these, these technologies, they already exist. You take down Facebook, you're gonna get some other company that does the same thing, right? So what do we do? Is, is, that, is that a fair kind of, if I approach it from that, is that okay? And then I'll, I'll also talk a little bit about um, young people, like uh, minds that haven't been closed yet and minds that are open, right? So. Let me, let me address the, the first part, or your, your second part of your question first. So I have uh, twin cousins, they're 16 years old. Okay? And I love talking to them because there's a lot of things that in my worldview we're still struggling with, like climate change, for example. And you ask them and they're just like, man, like you're an idiot, like it's changing. Like you're messing up the world for us right? You should fix it. It's your problem. 
right? Like it's not even it's not even up for debate with them. It's like it's so obvious to them that that this world is causing them problems. And so I think that the younger you get in the people, the more sensitive they are to the real problems. Now, climate change, from my opinion, was one of the first problems that the world started to understand as a problem that like one nation couldn't solve by themselves. So I, I said that America can stop Facebook and I still would stand by that 100%. But America can't stop Tencent or they can't stop, you know, pick whatever other social media company you want, right? They'll keep coming, like you said, right? So just like whatever one or two countries decide to do, they can't really stop global warming. You need a coordinated effort across all of humanity to solve that problem. And so what that means is that you need the solution to that problem to actually be better than the tools that came before it. And this is the real challenge, right? And to go back to his thing about what is, like, what is possible, what is hopeful, that there are a lot of technologies that are coming up that look like these decentralized, really interesting things, like the internet itself, right? We have to fix some parts of the internet. It's been centralized by companies like Facebook. But originally it was this decentralized communication system. And so, so our challenge as technologists or as anybody that wants to build something to fix these problems is that we have to make sure that we're honest with ourselves, that the tools we're building are easier to use. So like if, if you're making something and it requires more energy than what happens right now, well, you're gonna lose for sure. It has to be easier, it has to be better. It has to require less energy than the current situation. And I'm convinced we can do that. Like I've sent money from Taiwan to the US quite often with my bank, right? I have to get to the bank by 3.30 PM. They're not open on Saturday and Sunday. They're closed during Christmas. It's an absolute pain in the butt, right? When I send people Bitcoin in the US, I press a button, boom, it's there, right? So this technology is absolutely possible to be better in certain areas. And over time, I think it can actually get really significantly better in the organizing of people, of communicating, of connecting with friends. I think it can get much better than Facebook. Facebook is a crappy product. It really is. It really is a crappy product. We're just addicted to it. Facebook is just one of them. There, there are a lot of crappy products. Just, just so you know, after Facebook, people are using um, Instagram and, and also Google and YouTube. Yeah, yeah, but I, I agree. But I mean, I'm not sure your age. I don't mean to private, but yeah. I mean, before Facebook, what Taiwanese used to be addicted to? PTT, right? It used to be a kind of rather open forum without advertisement. So there is no, capitali no capitalism in strict sense, sense that they want to push you to be more addicted to it. Or, and also the mechanism or the, the, the way they run it is more open and people can reply it point to point. There's a better, that, to me at least, it, kind of, it seems to be a better version for discourse, public discourse. Something that's knowledgeable is probably Reddit in the US, but I mean, there was a time or there's other way 
people could be connected with, with each other. We are not denying that people shouldn't be connecting, but in what ways and what should be the mechanism behind this? Yeah, that's a technology. Like, the world should know about that technology. I mean, it's incredible. Like, somebody showed it to me. I'm like, man, that's nuts. People in Taiwan still use it a lot. Yeah, yeah. But there's really good stuff that we have to get out in the world. Like, like Facebook is not the best that humanity can create. Not at all. We can do much better. The technology is not the problem. The business model is the problem. So um, there are new technologies that are Facebook alternatives. What we're what we should do is to find a alternative business model to replace Facebook for good. So um, in this movie, that hippie, that really long hair hippie, yeah, he said that Wikipedia is the right way to do it, right? But uh, but it's nonprofit, right? So um, these things can work, but they don't make money. So right, I think what we can uh, brainstorm. Also, okay, tech people, law people, and business people, we should work together to figure out a new alternative. That's not only a new technology; um, it's also a new business model. And we can take uh, one last question. Any? Okay, great. Uh, I can use Chinese. 就是那个想要问一下，说你们现在 Facebook 是这么的中心化，那你们对去中心化的社交应用是怎样的想象？再来就是说，因为其实现在市场上也没有限制，大家就是不能创造出这个去中心化的社交服务。那肯定肯定是应该是有一些公司在做这些事情。那是不是因为人们根本就不 care， 就是他的资料被 Facebook 或是 Google 拿去使用，所以？他们还是选择留在 Facebook 上，所以这个是第一个问题。再来是 ，I have to stop you there because <laughs> I I'm interpreting for the global audience. <laughs> so Facebook is so centralized, and then there are obviously um some decentralized social apps for people, and there's no one saying that no, you cannot develop decentralized social services. So since it's okay to develop so decentralized social services. There's still a problem with Facebook. Is it because that maybe people don't care about their personal data being used or mined by Google or Facebook at all? 对，再来就是嗯， um, <笑>因为刚刚有提到那个法律嘛，他觉得法律是走在人们，就是走在科技的很后面。那我想问的就是说，那你觉得就是呃，我们真的有必要去限制这个东西吗？因为你们现在好像那个影片上就是写说 ，Facebook 它就会监控你的所有数据，然后推播，就是它想办法 hook hook 到你。可是其实，呃，你其他的服务像游戏或者 Netflix， 他们其实也在做一模一样的事情。在你说那个 fake news， 但其实在以前没有 Facebook 的年代，你广告或是说你的电视也是有 fake news。那我们到底就是，嗯、呃。就是说，我们到底那个法律是针对 Facebook， 还是要针对你们？到底是要解决什么样的问题去制定这个法律？对
我这两个问题，对，谢谢。And then the second question is about laws. As you already talked about, laws are falling behind technologies. But is it necessary to limit tech developments? Because、um, in the film, it says that Facebook is deploying global surveillance and hooking people to become addicted. But Facebook is not the only company that's doing this. Netflix and other services are doing that too. So is it necessary for laws to regulate or limit tech developments? Yeah. So the, to the first question, I think people do care, and that's why this movie has been seen by so many people. But again, the solutions are all too difficult. They're not good enough. That's that's the first question.、Um, the the question about law, like the problem with law, I shouldn't say problem.、Um, the challenge with law is that it's always local. There really is no global law. I mean, okay, there's some international stuff, but that doesn't really Help with any of these kind of things, so we need to connect the code and law together in a way that that us people feel is right, and then release that on the world, and then the code becomes the law, and the law becomes the code. Like that's that's what needs to happen. So that's why we need to talk more. That's that's what we have to understand. Like he knows human rights. He knows the history of human rights. We're gonna just reinvent the wheel. Like us engineers, we'll just hey, yeah, we know how to do rights. Let's do rights again, and we'll get it wrong, right? So this is why we have to work together. Is because there is no government solution to this. Like, like make no mistake, there's no government solution to this. You cannot solve a global problem with the local government. You can't do it. Like, is Taiwan gonna regulate Facebook? Okay, fine, they regulate Facebook. What about another product in a different country? How do you do that? You can't do that. A democracy can't do that, right? The people have to come up with a solution. So that means it has to be law and code together. So there is actually、uh, one try from the law perspective is GDPR, right? So I think that also echoes or that also kind of connect the first question you have. It's still about the market, from my opinion, right? Do they? Could those new decentralized technology get financial support from banks, from big corporations? They probably don't want to try new thing if the old thing is good enough for them, right? So they probably couldn't get enough money to to improve their technology because there is already a mature kind of market already there. But again, so for if law, if a market that I mean, if the market is large enough. And if the government of that market determines to do something about that, like GDPR in the European Union, then they may start to incentivize to, or to to make those companies be willing to cooperate with new regulations, with new standards. That's possible. So, and once they're gonna do that, they kind of want the one-size-fits-all thing. So, those privacy protocols might be also applicable. To Taiwanese users, even though Taiwanese law doesn't probably really care about this or do much about it, but since they already incorporate GDPR into their new guidelines, then they probably will do it on the global scale. Then that's probably to a certain degree can、uh, solve the problem to a certain degree. Yeah, I'm I'm really negative on GDPR. <laughs> I think that what GDPR did was it effectively locked in the monopolies of the big tech companies. Because they just don't care, and if you're a little company, like if you're a startup, and you want to comply with GDPR, forget it. Can't do it. It's too hard. 
So th this, this is policy where, where government policy is really hurting the whole tech industry is this top-down, hey, let's go regulate the data because who has the lawyers? Facebook has the lawyers. The startups don't have the lawyers. So regulation is not the answer here, right? It's going down to the very, very base level. It's making new stuff that people find better and making sure that this time the lawyers and the engineers work together. I don't think Facebook started off trying to destroy the world. I don't think that was their mission, right? But because they ignored the potential downside of the technology, they didn't think about what could happen if you connected the planet. This is what happens. To conclude this episode, Sorry. I will. <laughs> it's okay to conclude the episode. <laughs> Raised. Anyway, um, I would like to know um, since we're doing this for hoping crisis, I like to know what you think the hope is and what the world can learn from Taiwan. Um, you don't have to answer both questions if that's too challenging. It, it, it's not. I assure you. So I, I can go first. Right. Um, in this film. Um, a question was asked that was, um, where do you think can happen if there's no intervention, if this keeps going on? And then one of them answered civil war. And that reminds me of the opium war in China in 18th or the 19th century. I'm not so good with math. 19? 19th, I think. Yeah, yes. thank you very much. So um, opium war is a great example. Addiction can lead to political disruption and um, instability. So um, I think what people can learn from Taiwan is that we actually have experiences <laughs> with failures and we, we, actu we actually have experiences with learning from failure. And then um, I am sure that Sean can talk about why you wanna start a blockchain startup here in Taiwan because I'm sure that there are some good things about Taiwan. That's why you prefer to establish your uh, venture here. So I think the hope here is, again, um, raising awareness is not good enough. We have done so many different things and um, taken many initiatives to raise awareness. They are like fireworks. We're really psyched up. We're really pumped and excited and then after the event, everyone felt so motivated, so inspired, and then a week later, the world is the same. What I think is that we should organize something more meaningful, something like educational activities or um, policy making seminars or hearings so that we can work on developing new business models and new policies and new approaches. Yeah, um, I think Taiwan is a, it's a society, it's a rather open society. I'm not saying it's completely open, but it's a open society, open enough. And it does have a different cultural set from English speaking world. Because I just saw a kind of study that shows that the countries that's most affected by Facebook is English-speaking countries like US like or UK, India, or places like that. And I think from our experience, at least from my experience, Facebook does not play that much role here 
for disinformation, like what I what I was mentioned was it's probably more about lying and other social media or social apps. So what I'm saying is like if we do have a different cultural set and we do have a different cultural cue or behavioral cue for this kind of things, we actually create a diversity for new experience or for new technology developing for different kind of social networking mechanism or for this whole different operation system that might fit the whole, the whole human beings better. That's my take. Cool. Yeah, I love that one. I want to share two things. The first is that if you want to change a bad habit, one really great way of doing it is to make the habit more difficult for you. So like if you watch too much TV, then um, when you finish watching TV, unplug the TV. If that's still too easy, then take the batteries out of the remote. So you have to actually go get the batteries, put them in the remote, plug in the TV, and then watch it. So the equivalent here, and I did this, is delete your apps from your phone. So my weakness is Twitter. Twitter is just a cesspool, but I keep going to it because I, I don't know whatever, right? And now I force myself to go to Twitter from the web. And it's just, it's a bit more difficult to use. I have to go to the web browser, open it up. Web browser on a mobile phone isn't really that good. It's not that fast. You add, add back in the friction that these people are taking out, right? That's a great way to reduce your usage, but still use it. Now, everybody that was in that movie was very Silicon Valley. Like, I don't know if you caught that. These are all Silicon Valley companies. And not a single one was talking about solutions. The Tristan Harris guy, he's running a nonprofit now. No offense to nonprofits, right? But the world hasn't really been changed by nonprofits, at least, at least from my perspective. I haven't seen that before. Right? So none of those guys have the solution. So this should be damn inspiring for Asia. Like really inspiring. Silicon Valley doesn't know what the fuck to do. They can't fix this. Right? So this is incredibly inspiring, incredibly hopeful that this part of the world that has had to deal with misinformation, that has had to deal with this stuff for decades now, you guys have a crazy good chance. Right? I can tell you as an American, we need tools that would allow us to combat this disinformation, this stuff that like Audrey Tang is working on, GovZero is working on. Like we need this stuff in the West. So go ship it, you know, export it to the West. It's very hopeful. Seriously, I think this is like extremely exciting. No better place to be working on these things. That's very well said. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you all for coming. This podcast is brought to you by Bitmark and Girls in Tech Taiwan. So Bitmark uh, was founded from the belief that data is the next major asset class. And so what Bitmark does is create tools for individuals to gain control and access over their data and eventually unlock all kinds of new value in that data. Girls in Tech Taiwan is the Taiwan chapter of a global nonprofit focused on the engagement, education and empowerment of influential women in technology and entrepreneurship.